everyone. Welcome to the Naked Mom Podcast, episode two. This is the second time we're doing this. And I got to say, Tracy McMillan was an amazing first guest. We set the bar so high, and we're going to try to keep it up every single week. I really enjoyed that interview. I got to admit, I'm just getting familiar with this medium. And I have to say that it's such a fun and new experience getting to talk to people in this very personal way. I'm really, really enjoying this and learning so much. And I hope all of you guys are doing great. In my household right now, we are so excited about summer. It is the home stretch and countdown. One of the biggest struggles for us is getting to bed on time and getting out the door on time in the morning. So we are ready for summer vacation. And today I'm actually talking to you and looking at the beach right now, thinking about summer. I'm in sunny Santa Monica and uh, gonna introduce you to someone who's become a really, really cool friend of mine. We're gonna be talking to American Ninja Warrior host and comedian Matt Eisman. And this next season premieres June 12th, so definitely check it out. It's a big show in my home. My son is a little mini ninja warrior in the making. And Matt was so cool that he invited us all to come down to set at Universal Studios in Hollywood to visit him. And it was such a highlight for my husband watching him try the course out. By the way, I didn't dare. And you guys know I love me some fitness. But David and Shia got to play around a little bit. And Matt was just so gracious. And I, I got to say, having the experience working with him and competing against him during the Celebrity Apprentice was both was both thrilling and and I, and even a little intimidating, if I can admit that. Matt went on to win the whole show. Still a little bit pissed at him for that, but he looked really good doing it. And if it wasn't going to be me, I, I I would not have wished it for anybody else. So he's brilliant. He's funny. He's an MD, you guys, and he's also a fantastic television host. We have our very first sponsor today, Audible. It's an easy, convenient way to download audiobooks. So I want to thank Audible for supporting The Naked Mom. Now everyone listening can enjoy it. For a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com naked. Matt Eisman is a guy who has really followed his heart in life. He's gone from being a doctor to a stand-up comedian, and that's led to his current gig as the host of American Ninja Warrior. We love that show at home. Earlier, Matt and I had a great conversation about the winding path his life and career have taken. I think you're going to be really surprised. Here's my interview with Matt Eisman. If you don't recognize his voice, then you clearly are not watching enough TV. NBC's American Ninja Warrior, Hallmark's Home and Family. I, I think I actually met Matt Eisman a long time ago on Home and Family, but really got to know him on The Celebrity Apprentice. Mm -hmm. And he is The Celebrity Apprentice, I, Matt Eisman. Okay, first of all, by the way, don't I was sold to Arnold. I was so, I'm lousy <laughs> at it. I, I literally, the, and the more I got to know him, the more it became like, I, I feel like I sound like Ricardo Montalban more than I do Schwarzenegger. I was sold a bill of goods. I was told this was the Naked Mom podcast, and Brooke is fully clothed. Well, well, I was naked the, with the last <laughs> guest, but then it was not. By that the way, she's. She, I, can, can we tell them you're wearing sweatpants with high heels? Well, this is so Brooke Burke. Well, I wasn't going to wear glamorous high heels. yoga. Well, when I heard you were coming in, I put the high heels on because don't tell everyone I'm in the a booty bad, burn. I'm in a bad ponytail and sweatpants. I, I didn't. Think, I know they're good ponytail. I think I learned. My lesson with the Naked Mom title because that's one of the reasons I think why the book wasn't more successful because I think I turned off a lot of people. 
<laughs> when they opened it up and they or you turned them on. Oh, all oh, right, turn them on. Yeah, it wait. was real life. Wait a second. About motherhood, right. it was clearly not sexy at right. all. It was like chicken soup for the soul. I'm like, I I put this in a pot for hours. It is not chicken soup. But I'm glad you came to get naked because now we can get right down to right. It. Let me start by saying I'm a little pissed. That you beat me on the Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> we didn't beat, you know what? It's not beating anybody. We all won. Second place sucks. No, 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 no. Um, in all honesty, I want to give you my movie version of the Celebrity oh, Apprentice. Oh, let's hear it. So Matt Eisman and I make it all the way to the end, which I always thought you would, by the way, when I met you at the very first meet and I had, cocktail. It, I had no idea. I was like, this guy. I remember going home and telling my husband, I was like, this guy. Is charismatic and he's funny and he's got this huge energy and this voice. And I go, and by the way, he's a doctor. Like just to, you know, you talk about a triple threat, <laughs> which everybody, I, I just, there's you have so many talents, Matt. But my movie version is we make it all the way to the end. Right. We edge out Boy George somehow. But you and I end up on the same team and we conquer and we win and we raise like a million dollars right. for rheumatoid arthritis and for Operation Smile. Right. And then we go on to co-host our own talk show. Right. Riding on the wings of the huge success of the Celebrity <laughs> Apprentice. And in my movie version, it wasn't a political disaster. I know. It was hugely successful. No, it was amazing to see how this show, and it felt, it felt big when we were a part of it. And just from the beginning, it felt cursed once it started to air. I think it was an amazing learning opportunity. I had a great time. It was a fantastic experience. By the way, everybody, we shot the show long before Trump even started the race. So people don't really realize what was going on yeah. during the taping of our show. And then, in fact, it's not about Arnold or, or Donald or you or me or anybody. It was just about raising a boatload of money for charity. And I had War Paint on on a mission to do just that, as right. did you. And by the way, how much money did you raise for? 978000 I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, it was still mission it, accomplished. Yeah, totally. It was a huge victory, and and you know, getting to meet you and Boy George and all the other celebs who I thought were a to a cast. person. Everyone was great. I, I will say that was. I think that was another problem is we all got along. Well, I was and gonna, shows like that thrive on drama. And you and I haven't had a chance to really dish about the behind the scenes stuff. But yes, I thought it was such a great cast, and there were so many smart business people right. that I was like. Even in the process, I was like, is there going to be enough drama? Right. <laughs> but then yeah. strangely, some of the drama didn't even air. In fact, there's a moment in our final boardroom, which I just got to give you shit about and you can give it right back to me, where, you know, Matt and I were such a good team and we, we didn't have a lot of opportunity. We didn't have a lot of time together, right. even though I was jonesing because we were so good together. There was a moment at the end where Arnold asked myself, Matt and Boy George, who we thought should win and who should get fired. <laughs> and Matt calls me out and says, I think you should get rid of Brooke. And then I was going to get rid of Boy George. But I was like, how could you say that? No, so I thought, I, was I first? Because I thought, I thought you and Boy George had both gone, uh, Brooke no. and I would, I'm doing my Boy George. Yeah. Brooke and I would be, I'm sorry, I sound British. My, my impressions are awful. And I was like, I could, to me, when we got in there, I thought I was done. I, I, really? I'd already thought that it was you and Boy George. Really? And, and, the whole time, I mean, I felt like he was talking to me with like the, you know, don't feel like a yeah. loser. You're not going to get it. And I was just oh, like, yeah. I, I was totally like the whole time felt like this, the sand was, 
the ground was falling out from under me, and I was like, okay, really? they're going to go to the finals. I didn't. Think I had that no at all. idea. What's fascinating, though, about the strategy, because it is a game, after all, if you choose to play it that way, which I think we we both did, is that you're really in it for yourself. So you know, in those final moments, if you're not fighting to the right. end, you know, and taking down saw. anybody in your I, way, I felt like over. like uh, Kerry Keegan, Snooky, Kyle. All of them could have stuck around longer. They weren't hungry enough. They weren't, we, and yeah. they weren't comfortable. And and that was, I, th- I thought, one of the things, too, where it's not personal. No. If you have to say someone needs to get fired yeah. because ultimately it's it's part of the game and it's for your yeah. charity. Yeah. Throw me under the bus because yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to get the money for your charity. I will humiliate myself for charity time and time again. And that's all there is to it. One of the things that I love so much about Layla Ali, because we really connected on the show, was she was like, if it comes down to you and I and we go in there in the boardroom, don't take care of me. I'm a big girl. Yeah. This isn't personal. This is business. Well, Layla and I, because <laughs> right, right before you boy and I go into that room, Layla and I had to go at it. Yeah. And, and, and Layla, you know, as soon as we, you know, we, we, we laid into each, well, not laid into each other, but we, you know, we, we forcefully stated our cases. And then as soon as we walked out, Layla was like, good job. Finally saw some fire yeah. out of you. She yeah. was like, I loved it. I thought she was a competitor and fierce. It, it was fierce and it was so much fun to see. I thought, you know, poor, how great was Portia? Like, loved I thought her, loved her sense of humor. She had a great energy. Loved and the w- air in between all of it. She made me laugh. She she was she was a great, great, great addition to the cast. And in all seriousness, congratulations Thank because you. you deserved it and you had all the potential in the world and so much going for you. And if it wasn't going to be me, I was really damn happy that it was you. It, and it, but you what know, a fun experience! Like the 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 stuff we got to do, the opportunities we had. We did the impossible. And and and, and how much fun! I mean, it was really. I don't. Know people appreciate how much hard work there really was with those tasks. I wish the shows would have aired longer for one episode so people could have really had an an iota of it, like just an, an ounce of yeah. an idea of what went into it. You know what I learned from the show was that if you don't accept no for an answer. You can get anything yes. done. It would be like, it would be like, okay, plan a birthday party for your brother by tomorrow, print the invitation, send them out, get everybody to commit, cater it, get the entertainment. Here's your budget. Just make it happen. And right. we'll see you tomorrow, tomorrow night at the event. And you're like, uh, 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 oh, and you have a corporate sponsor and, and, and no, no PR. It was just, it was one impossible task right. after the other, but I loved the adrenaline and, honestly, and by the, the challenge. By the end of it too, you started to realize that you're going to get it done. And literally that was one of the great things for, for me. And what I really loved about the, the, the final, the finale was that it was four tasks in one and it just felt like, but it called on everything we'd mm-hmm. done the entire season mm-hmm. and feeling bring all like, your skills, bring all the, the skills table. into it, but, but also to have that calm of like, it's going to get done. Yeah. Well, because you, we'll survive. because you know that, that it, it does get done and yeah. to let everybody inside a little bit deeper. It was all real. Like nothing was fabricated. Nobody gave us lines. Nobody said, create this drama or this bullshit. It was all very real. And, and nobody gave and, us help. They're like, here, yeah. here are your resources. Now, no, I mean, no, like no, for the right. Clippers to design a shirt, get it printed, 
come up with an act and do that all in literally six hours. That was one I of our most six hours. humiliating shows. But, but, by the way, by the way, you're going to be the laugh, the life, the halftime show at the Clipper. But game. you know what? I, I mean, it could have been. I, I actually thought what we you did were was not Layla bad. And I were humiliated. But you it was, were great. We sucked. But, but to to have like put the T-shirt together and to come yeah. up with something. It, Listen, and, we did the impossible. Oh if our, if our television career goes south, we could always become graphic designers. <laughs> I mean, any way you slice, you give us a job and we will get it done. And I'm calling you, okay? But like uh, to do the L- Larissa, you know, when you in, when you get QVC or Larissa's, like for, when you get a task that's in your wheelhouse, how much fun it is where you're like, I know this market. And it was mm-hmm. great because so often in our careers, we we don't get asked to do much, you know, or, or get pushed out of our comfort zones. Or even get an opportunity, yeah. I think, to exercise those chops, which is actually a great segue because I have so many things I want to ask you because I think a lot of people might not understand really where you came from and your rise and the choices that you've made. And, you know, Matt is a phenomenal personality and a host and so talented. And 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 but prior to that, I mean, you you come from a family of doctors. Yes. Correct me along the way. You went to Princeton. Uh You went to Columbia. You're an MD. So when you're groomed and you Which, come from- Which, by the way, a- I joke, when Snooki heard there was a doctor on the show, she thought it was Vince Neal because yeah. he's the one they called Dr. Feelgood. No, she Of didn't. course she No, she probably did. <laughs> she, she might have. No, she that was Portia. Have. Portia thought that. <laughs> I love Portia. I love her. Um, but seriously, when you're when you're groomed and you come from that background, and my ex-husband was a doctor, so he was like type A, Mr. Education, nothing else matters. It's a stability. You go to school, right. you fight, you sacrifice, you've arrived. You've you arrived. Yeah. Right? So you 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 you're a doctor. Family had to be damn proud. Yeah. And at what point in your life, what was the pivotal moment where you deliberately decided that you wanted to dabble in this crazy jungle and superficial world of entertainment when <laughs> you had already eh, yeah, no, you had it, already arrived like what I yeah, want to know where, I, how does change take place I think for me it was and my dad's a doctor he's a world renowned physician wrote the textbook on tuberculosis but he never pushed me to go into medicine he never said like you know you need you need to make something out of your life you need to save lives he never did that what mm. what i think he did was he set an example of someone who was passionate about his work he loved his work and he was really good at it got tremendous satisfaction and so i thought on paper medicine's the perfect fit i love science i was good at it i like people i love the idea of helping people and so medicine was the perfect career but when i got into residency and i enjoyed medical school but i also I I think when I when I got into residency, I started having these this this feeling, this pit in my stomach where I just didn't feel the passion for it. And was it the 40 hours on and the vending the machine and the, holding the heart? I know. I mean, we you know, it's hundred hour plus weeks. It's you know, you'd go into the hospital and spend 36 hours there when you're on call every four days. And and I, I don't mind the hard work. What I just I didn't like being there, feeling that I wasn't completely committed. Because mm. I think there are jobs and then there are callings. And when someone places their life in your hand, it's it's a calling to be a doctor. I don't think mm. it's it's something that people should do because it's a safe career. It's something where it's a it's a sacred trust to have people's health in your hands. And I just felt like I wasn't committed enough to where I was being the best doctor I could be. So I felt like I I wasn't doing my my patients a great service, but I felt I didn't feel good. I felt like I was acting when I was going into the hospital. So mm. I I kind of had this epiphany. It was January of 99. I was in the intensive care unit. And we we're getting slammed. And mm. I just realized like 
I'm going to be making life or death decisions. And I didn't feel good about it. So I decided I had to take a year off How to reevaluate. You? I think I was 27, 28. What's amazing to me about your story is, and I'm, I, I don't want to stereotype, but most doctors are committed and settled into their profession and are not necessarily looking for passionate moments in life. It's a practice and a business and a commitment that they've devoted most of their life yeah. to. And you get trapped into it in that you've done college, you've done mm-hmm. medical school, mm-hmm. and now you're in residency where you're not making- And you did well. You're making subsist. Yeah. I, I, you know, I graduated with honors from Princeton and Columbia, and I, I was good at it. I mean, I, this is something that fit my skill set, but- but it's I, I was fortunate in that I was I was single. I didn't have a family and my grandparents had helped enough to where the debt wasn't crushing mm-hmm. that I could I could talk about taking a year to reevaluate and think I was doing Amazing. internal medicine, maybe switch to emergency medicine. And rather than go be a ski bum or travel the world, I thought I'm going to I'm just going to move to L.A., and do stand-up comedy. I'd never done anything I mean, creative. Hold on for a second. So the reason why I want to open up this dialogue is because too many people get lost in the process of a dictated path. Right. And they're maybe not brave enough or they're maybe not even in tune enough with their themselves to take a chance to explore any other possibilities. Mm-hmm. And fulfillment is a very scary, very foreign thing to a lot of people. So when I hear your story, and I, the reason I want to dig deep into it is because there's a lot of people who are sitting in an unhappy position in life doing really well and with no passion. Yeah. And 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 you decide to take this year off. By the way, did you guys hear that? Like to go to stand up, to do stand up comedy. Like what? It, it was, it was, uh, I think the hardest part of it was telling my parents because oh, I did, yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know how they would react because my parents had always, uh, I, I think, you know, pushed us. Were you pushed, funny as a kid? I, I think so. No, I, I think mean, you're very funny. I think, I think uh, you know what? I, I was, uh, I, I think people go into stand-up comedy, I say this for, for two reasons. One, because they weren't hugged enough as a kid or two, they were hugged too much. And I think I had a mom who just was so supportive and everything I did was amazing mm. and that I was always told I could do anything and I, you know, if I was, I was funny and I was athletic and people liked me and all of that. And I think, um, I, I, I think, that it was she they they encouraged us to achieve and whatever we did they wanted us to to work hard but but that's really amazing parenting but when when, when I told them when I told them I was I was thinking of taking medicine off or taking time off from medicine my dad the first words out of his mouth were life is short do what makes you happy <sighs> and my mom I think was was kind of elated I think she'd she'd you know, she That's she graduated amazing. Phi Beta Kappa from college and then gave up her career to raise my brother and me. And she just wanted us to be happy. But she she sang. She was very creative. And I think she's like, just go, go do what it is that that lights that fire. And and it was like three weeks after I moved out to L.A. doing shitty open mics okay. and not necessarily doing particularly <laughs> well. I just, something in, in my Were mind writing clicked. writing your own material? Writing my own just... material. I, I just moved out here. This was, you know, the internet wasn't quite as big back in 99. I want to stop you for one second because yes. I want to just quickly speak to, you know, the parents that are listening. And I, I can remember a similar conversation that I had with my parents when I was 19 and on my way to Los Angeles and a little bit scared and uncertain and mm-hmm. taking a chance. And I loved school and I was studying business advertising and I didn't quite know what was coming next. And my father said to me, Go be who you're supposed to be. Go take that chance. Yeah. 
if it doesn't work out, you come back. But go, oh. like crying, pushing me out, right. out pr literally crying as I'm Kick going. Kick you out, out of the nest. But Spread go and do what you're supposed to do. And I have goosebumps hearing you say that because I, I strive and hope to be that same parent. But I think it's it's really hard to uh, not raise a child and mold them to who you think they're supposed to be and to have the ability to let your child go yeah. be who they are supposed to be and live their life is such a gift that I, I just, I, it's amazing. I don't like know. I, I, and I don't know how parents, how parents do that because woo. I think you, you want what's best for the kid. And, and look, we, we, the older you get, the more life experience you have. And I'm sure as a parent, they very often think they know what's best. And, you know, you talk about getting married when you're 19 or whatever, you know, where parents like, listen, it's a, you're going to grow out of it. And I, for parents to just say, sometimes you need to make your own mistakes. You need to find your way. And as a parent, I, I think my parents also had to trust in themselves and, and say- And they have a lot of faith in you. Yeah, uh, but they know that they've raised me with yeah. values where we they know you're not, I'm not just going to go out You're going to be okay. Yeah, be a bum. Like I'm going to find something and and be passionate about it and work my ass off. And, wow. Okay, so you show up in LA and are you writing? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd, I'd been writing. I'd been, you know, I'd, I'd kind of been dabbling in med you, school you and never crazy, thinking. You know it was It was one of those things though where- it it was crazy in paper, but as soon as I the hardest part for me was telling my parents. And after it did, it felt like a weight was lifted because I, I deep down I think I knew that even though on paper medicine was perfect, it wasn't what I was meant to do. And I think the you just have to kind of trust yourself. Like you you know if if you're really passionate about something or if you're faking it. And having said that, though, it's it's not everyone in life is in a position to sure. take those risks. That's and what I was what I was going to say. I think Sometimes that's the hardest part. For, yeah. for security and what's safe and what makes sense. And, you know, if there are financial, you know, obligations and choices that we make and we're not all as blessed to be able to make those choices, but we can find those moments mm -hmm. and those spaces to sort of nurture and develop that. Yeah. Lots of people well, have lot multiple jobs I, and are doing something they don't totally, love and doing something they're dreaming of. I, I, I think I, when I look back at like high school and college, I think there's such a pressure, um, such a, a pressure amongst your peers to pretend that you, you've got life figured out. Mm. And I, the thing I just, I tell people is like, life is a marathon. You don't need to know, you know, like someone's in college, what are you majoring in? What are you going to do? I love when kids are like, I don't know. Good. Good. You shouldn't. Let's start from there. None of my <laughs> friends has had the same job out of college. It's a really good place everyone, to start. Everyone has switched and, and kind of, you know, fine-tuned it and, and made changes. Not all necessarily as dramatic as mine, but, but I just, I, I think to, to kind of have that confidence to say, I don't know. But I'm going to try different things and really try to find out what mm. I'm passionate about. Because when I look at what we do, I mean, I don't like work. My job is not work. My The, the work comes with getting a job in this time. But when we get to <laughs> here, like when here. we're doing Celebrity Apprentice or I'm at Ninja or Home and Family, I feel like. That's what I love We're kind doing. of blessed to get up it's, and go to work awesome. any day in this industry is a blessing. You're so right. It's getting that gig and then really what you do with it, I think. Yeah. And and, and as I look at it, you know, we have such a such a surface uncertainty with our job where we live not only year to year, but sometimes month to month or week season to week, to season. season to season. I mean, <laughs> show, not even where, show you know, show. a show comes out and, and you're like, you know, are people responding to you? Are people, are the ratings good enough? But when I look at my friends, I have a ton of friends who went into finance and buddies who were at Bear Stearns when it completely imploded, like a hundred year old institution that overnight 
loses billions of dollars and you realize that illusion is really a security. And obviously there are jobs mm-hmm. that, you know, like medicine, people are always going to get sure. sick, but you never know what's going to happen. And so if that t- happens and you're laying in bed at night, where are you then and how do you feel? Right. And you have something That I was doing something I didn't like. That's And I still and, ended yeah. up screwing yeah, yeah, it up yeah. or it, it went away. We'll be back in a second with more from Matt Eisman. But first, I want to talk to you about Audible. I love this program. Thanks to Audible for supporting our podcast. Audiobooks are great to listen to when you're driving the kids, stuck in traffic, doing chores around the house. Maybe you're at the gym or running errands. All the things that us busy moms do. It's kind of like the company of these podcasts. For our audience, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. It's free, you guys. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. You just go to audible.com naked and find a book that you want from their unmatched selection of audio content. You download a title for free and start listening. It's really that easy. I've actually been listening to Tracy McMillan's new novel, Multiple Listings. We had her on our show last week, and I've read all of her other books the old-fashioned way. But this is her first novel, and I'm super busy, so I'm loving listening to it. Reading kind of makes me tired, so I'd like to read more, and I can't. So Audible is perfect for me. They've got all kinds of books on Audible. My producer is actually listening to the David Letterman biography, Letterman, The Last Giant of Late Night by Jason Zinnemann. So now, Naked Mom podcast listeners can get a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial at audible.com naked. That's audible.com slash naked. So when you got on the stage and you're trying this, it's mind-blowing that you could like get up there and do stand-up comedy. Did it feel good? Did you feel? Oh, yeah. I just felt like being on stage and having an audience was something that I, and I think that was kind of what I liked with me. Like I loved being around patients and I think I love trying to make people laugh, trying mm-hmm. to make people be entertained and feel good. And that's my, my, kind of my philosophy whenever I'm doing something in entertainment is I'm throwing a party and I want everyone to have a great time. Mm-hmm. And and I just... And I, it's so true about him, everyone. I mean, the time that I spent with Matt five weeks on The Celebrity Apprentice, I mean, you had us laughing. Your energy was infectious. You have this huge personality. You're funny. You guys should have seen him in, at Universal Studios <laughs> in, 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 the, in the wizarding world of Ooh. Harry Potter. He, you have the spirit of a child, which is what I love about you. <laughs> you're funny and you're brilliant. So beyond a triple threat, Threat. I mean, and he's cute too, by the way. And and just to see you in that space, so wild and carefree, is so awesome to I'm, watch. I will witness. say, part of that I think comes from the path I've taken, having been in medicine and having seen real life or death scenarios, and having felt like I had a job that was that was um, a job that mm. was onerous. Like to be out here every day. I mean, I never forget when I'm out here, like how lucky I am to be doing this. And and that was so what was great on Apprentice was every day we'd get, you know, we're, we're going around to these iconic locations in Hollywood. We're with people who I've been fans of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we, I remember I'm, I'm, I actually, the first time I met you was at Sundance in like 2002. Oh my my buddies and I, you were there. I think it was Wild On. Oh God, and we were was, just like, oh days. my God, that's Brooke Burke. And I think we just stalked you at a bar for no. like two hours while you were doing a show. I don't think you even talked and, to me. No, we Those didn't. But it was, but, but I'm, I, <laughs> I'm saying like, you know, how cool it is to then be hanging out with, with you and Eric Dickerson and yeah. Vince Neil 
And yeah. to be doing these ridiculous things where, well, I, every day, pretty much, there was at least one point where I just step back and like text my friends from high school or college, like, oh. fuck, I'm staying with Vince Dale How from Motley Crue. about us doing Crow. an action short film on the universe a lot with oh the Terminator? Oh, my God. Like, my son could care less about what I do in my career. Right? The fact that I got to go to work with the Terminator, I was a superhero mom it for was, five weeks. That it, was amazing. Amazing. The, the stuff we got to do and- I'm with and you, finding the joy, find and, and, the joy and, and the gratitude in this in the business that we're in is there's something to be said about that, you know? And gratitude is really, really important in this business. Yeah. And know? and I think I think uh, you know, it, it is one of those life lessons. Like when I when I talk to young people, I mentor kids at college, and I'm just like, man, just enjoy, enjoy life. Mm. Like, you know, if you if if for the most part, the people I talk to, I feel like you're hardworking. Mm -hmm. you, you're motivated. You're going to be okay. And you just need to find something that mm -hmm. lights a fire under your ass because it is Great like, advice. this is a long life. And, and, you know, to, to just not feel like I'm 23 and I don't have, you know, I need to have a job and start yeah. getting a mortgage. It's like, it's okay. Live out of your car. You know, you'll, you're, you're better off getting some life experiences. And then, yeah, my brother, my brother was this, he was a, he worked construction in Jackson Hole. He went to Princeton, graduated, got a job working construction, swinging a hammer and being a ski bum for a year. And then he realized he wanted to save the environment, went back, got his master's and he mm. just, he finished a stint with the Department of Interior and it's, he loves his job. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's it is, and again, it's no, it's great advice. I mean, be connected to something that really matters to you, that right? drives you and inspires you. I mean, sh I'd trade it all in for passion. You know, right? Absolutely, absolutely. What what do you what do you see in the future? I mean, what do you think is no next? No idea. I, mean, just, I, I literally, I don't. I, I never I've never either. I've never had a plan. Because, you know, if it, ideally I would have been an action movie star, but I ended up, That's you know, next. I like stand up comedy <laughs> leads into I hosted a home makeover show with Nisi Nash for yeah. five and a half yeah. years. I didn't know anything about it, but, you know, opportunities Clean come house. along. And yeah. yeah and, and for me, I think I've I, I, I love the power look of at her yes. Now. I love it. Oh, God. She's like on her fourth you, show, you, Emmy nominated. Yeah. You've done a, you've done so much. And And I think so much so much comes of. Like, you know, saying yes to Celebrity Apprentice, saying yes to, you know, I went on Home and Family as a guest and now I'm I'm a family member. And mm -hmm. and I, I think nothing happens sitting on the couch waiting for people to call you. Mm -hmm. Like you're, for and me. And sometimes just being brave enough to say yes and take some chances yeah. and explore. Because I look at this as a business, this is a marathon business too. And you make these connections and, and trying to be someone who people want to work with. And that they know when, when, whenever you're in a project, you're going to, you're going to bust your ass off and yeah. be professional. And not everybody does. So no. I, I think that that is so valuable showing up. And I don't mean just showing up to work and phoning it in. I mean, showing up and giving your all yeah. and being good at what you do and being invested and really caring. About and appreciating it. that when you, you know, everyone around you, like well, very often we're the ones in front of the camera and we, we get spoiled. We do. But realizing sure. like how important it is, you know, from, from the, the EP to the director, to sure. the guy operating the camera, to the, to the PA getting sure, you a sandwich, yeah. how all these people, um, can make, can make your life and this project better. And it takes all of those people. Yeah. It's a very well-oiled engine. I mean, I I, I, just, I love what I do. And I always enjoy being in that environment so much from the PA to the lighting guy, right. to the production assistant, to the producer. It's just, it's a process and we're all valuable. 
It's so nice right. and refreshing to hear you say that because it's not a common attitude in this business. We know that. Well, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I don't know. I, I would love to say the era of the divas going out. I, I feel like entertainment is going through sort of a seismic shift now. Is as we get away from kind of the traditional broadcast model mm-hmm. and digital is coming up, and no one knows what's yeah, next. So true. And and just feeling like you know, as we. You know, as as I work at NBC and looking around going, they don't know what's coming. Yeah. Nobody knows it's what's such coming. such a crazy time. And television. trying to figure out like, you know, and, and just saying like whatever is next, hoping that you can be a part of it. Well, and, since movie stars are doing reality TV and TV shows, oh that's, that God. means that you can go right? and be a movie star, Matt I, I when You know. can do anything. That's right. You can do anything. <laughs> you can do anything, man. I want to ask you um, if we can just talk a little bit about rheumatoid arthritis yeah. because, you know, somebody like you that has this zest for life and this power and this drive and in my mind, you're the unstoppable man, really. How do you process that and what do you say to people who, I have autoimmune disease as well. Yeah. So I had Hashimoto's and I have, you know, some markers and some other things brewing and as well as my children and you know what you have going for you too is 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 your scientific knowledge and to be a really great patient and wrap your head around it but how do you process that what do you do about it and what do you tell people well uh, for me again it was it's so odd i think so much of it is how it comes to be and for me i started having symptoms um in i think 2000 summer 2000 at gold gym in venice i was working out there i lived in venice and I was working out five, six days a week, and I just started having pain in my right index finger. Mm. And over the next 18 months, the pain spread. I started having pain on my feet. I was mm. having really bad inflammation. My neck and back were stiff. I, I lost energy. How old were you? I was 30, and then I ended up getting diagnosed. So, so too young to be achy. You're working too young. hard and but, what's but, going But what's on amazing here. is because it's kind of this insidious onset, you rationalize things. And that's where even I think being a doctor was probably a hindrance because I was going in to see doctors and I was going to see rheumatologists mm. and nothing, quote unquote, nothing was wrong. They couldn't find anything. And it really starts to become frustrating because you feel something's wrong. But I think people start to look at you a little more cynically thinking this is in your head. There's, you know, we're looking mm-hmm. at the blood work here. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong. But again, kind of trusting your gut and not taking no for an answer. But I was, I mean, I was going to see uh, uh, orthopedic surgeons. And the I diagnosis went to see for autoimmune disease, it is questionable. questionable. It's hard. I mean, for me, it ended up being, so what ends up happening is it took 18 months during which point I went from, I gained like 55 pounds. I, I was sleeping 10 to 12 hours oh. a day. I was... Sleeping with a neck brace because my neck was so stiff. I, I I was trying to unload it. I I went from working out five or six days a week to zero activity. And were you working at the time? I was no, I was doing stand up and commercials and feeling like crap. Feeling like crap. But the thing that kept me going was stand was that at night I was around like that would get me up mm. and get me going. But so they finally sh- look at an x-ray and see these the, – the doctor was like, that's classic RA erosive changes right there. I think you have rheumatoid arthritis. And then I went and got From tested. My blood work – the blood work finally converted, but it took 18 months. And so when I was told, like, look, you have a chronic autoimmune disease and there's no cure, I was mm. relieved because I just wanted to know what was causing the problems. And – for me, it was like, okay, now I know. I'm not crazy. There is something wrong. And I know what this animal is I'm facing and how and now, now I we can, can learn start to, to fight it. Yeah. To manage it. And so, and I was lucky enough that I started on treatment and I responded to it and and to have not realized really how sick I was because mm-hmm. I think it was like three to three weeks 
I started feeling like my, it was like a veil was lifted. Wow. And I just felt the fog going away. And I was like, I, I didn't know how sick I'd become because you, you rationalize it and it's sure. kind of insidious. So it's, you know, dealing with autoimmune disease is hard because again, it's, there's no cure and you don't know ultimately what's going to happen. And I'm responding now, but that could change. Sure. But, um, I also feel like, um, I've, I've not letting it stop me. I'm not letting it slow me down. And, and do you agree that gathering as much information that is available, that's possible and learning about whatever, whatever is going on in your body and becoming a really smart and well-researched yeah, well, patient will enable you mm -hmm. to manage most, most things. I mean, you've been on the anti-inflammation diet, which we talked about yeah. when we were in Park City and inflammation's a demon and we're starting to learn more and more and more nutritionally about how we can better take care of our yeah. bodies. I, oh, I, I think we're just scratching the surface. Yeah, I, I, I do. But, but I, the, 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 the lesson I've learned is nobody cares about your health as much as you do. Mm. I don't care how involved your doctor is, um, that, you know, I mean, I've been there, I've been mm -hmm. on the other, both sides of the stethoscope and mm -hmm. no matter how caring a doctor is, you know, they're seeing 20 to 40 patients mm -hmm. a day and, all of them are sick. All of them mm. have rheumatoid arthritis. And so no matter how caring they are, you have to remember that you need to fight for your health and to make sure that you're you're going to see them, you know, once a month if you're really sick, mm -hmm. if not once every three to six months. And you need to go in there prepared and, and to yeah. have a plan and to say, this is what I want out of life and not to settle and to say, I'll fight, I'll fight to find the treatments. I'll fight to find the new remedies and to find someone who'll be a partner in that fight. Mm -hmm. um, but to always keep in mind, like you just, you have to be your own best advocate. And I say this and there are times I'm an awful patient too. Sure, sure, there are times sure. I will, I will eat the wrong things. There, there are times where, you know, it's, it's a struggle and sure, it is hard sure. to always be perfect and to just not be as hard well, we, on yourself. We, you know, we try to do the best because our health is all we have, really. And I, I know, think and you got to get specific. You really appreciate it when it's when it goes away. Mm -hmm. When you when you just don't have that energy. And I, I I'm very involved with the Arthritis Foundation, particularly with rheumatoid. You have arthritis. more energy than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> I'm well, just saying. It's, it's funny, but I mean, there are times where I will spend a weekend on the couch just yeah. doing nothing, and mm -hmm. where I just can't drag myself to the gym. There are lots of times sure. where I, I I lack the energy. I I get energy, I think, from other people. Yeah. For me. And so sometimes it's hard. It's why just you to, love live. It's yeah. why you love the audience. Right. You thrive I do. on that energy. It's my mother's hugs. I always, totally. I always say that in my class that I teach. I'm like, steal some energy from this room. Yeah. Feel it. Be own present. It, take it You're with you. There. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. Matt Eisman, everyone. Amazing. Warrior. Warrior. The gift that keeps giving. It is. <laughs> I, it, you know, and that's, that's the other thing too, is, is as we, you know, you, we've all been a part of projects mm -hmm. that we think are going to be the ones that change our lives that never materialize or just fizzle. And then that's why I, I truly believe in, you know, you, you take, give yourself as many at bats as you can mm -hmm. saying yes to things because you don't know which project's going to be the success or that, you know, this one failed, but five years from now, that person's sure. going to come up with a project. And because you were great, they want to work with you. And sure. I, I just, 
you know, I... You know, I, it's amazing, the phenomenon of American Ninja Warrior. I mean, my children are obsessed. It's such a great family show. I mean, tapping into audiences, young and old. Yeah. It's just the energy. And, and, it's and, been so much fun doing it and, and getting to see the impact it's had as, you know, we get people share videos on Facebook and you see a father who's built a course for his seven-year-old daughter. Or, goals. I mean, young yeah. goals. And, and to see a show where... Like, again, my co-host Akbar Bajbemil is 6'6", 250, and yeah. he's got a six-pack. He's a, a freak, and he, mm -hmm. that's who plays in the NFL. And, you know, try as 99.9% .9 of the population, as hard as you want to work, you'll never be that. But I love on American Ninja Warrior that these athletes are everyday people who How about aren't the professional five foot athletes. Tall women? Casey Canzaro. Casey, it's unbelievable. And and I love I love that we have mothers coming out and that yeah. we have people who are defying odds, going through cancer. We yeah. had a guy with stage four pancreatic cancer on the course. Unbelievable. And it's it's one of those. And the other thing I love about the show is that whereas so many things are about there's one winner. Our show, usually we've only had two guys complete the course. Everyone else falls. Everyone else fails. But they don't. Like, we see people get on the course. We had a girl, Daniela Bright. This, she, she was season six. She's bedridden with stage three breast cancer. She can't get out of bed. She's watching the show, and we start tweeting. Mm. And I give her a T-shirt, and she's like, wow, well, just uh, my goal would be to someday set foot on the course. A Love year it. later, Competing against she's cancer-free. And she's on the course. She goes out in the first obstacle. When she got out of the water, it looked like she'd won the Super Bowl because she's Amazing. like, I'm alive. I'm here. Do you realize what a victory this is? And I love that this show shows and that winning. you can win in a different way. You know, totally. I mean, there's so much. It's it's I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want the participation trophy for everyone. No, but, but, but what I want is like, you know, you, you, you don't have to be the one who's holding the trophy at the end to to win. You can win your own victories just doing yeah. better than you thought you could and Absolutely. pushing yourself. Does it make you want to do that, course? God, no. I <laughs> I dislocated a bone in my foot and had to have surgery the last time I tried the course. Every year, I'm like, next year, I'm really going to be in shape. I brought my and husband like, and my oh. family out to see Matt on set and my son. He was eight at the time, and he's he's a little guy, but he's a little warrior. And they're looking up with big eyes up at the course thinking, wow, this is a dream. And then they're like, you know, on second thought oh my <laughs> in <God>. real life. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really is. It's. It amazes me, though. And what I love, though, is seeing athletes who struggle one year, yeah. but then just dedicate themselves and come back and come back and, and push and, the envelope. And they and do better. And themselves. you see the. You just to see the progress, and it's it's this simple equation of hard work pays off. Totally. And it's such a good metaphor for life. I think this show of you don't have to be the strongest, the fastest, whatever. But if you're the one who works the hardest, you're gonna That's have right. success. And we know hard work pays off. Right. Absolutely. I love what you do, Matt. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of you. I am so impressed. Triple threat. I wish you huge success in everything you, you do. I love what you do. You're amazing. What well, an I'm inspiration. I'm here because I'm a big fan of Brooklyn. <laughs> Thank you. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. I want to thank my friend and guest, Matt Eisman. You can follow him on Twitter, at Matt Eisman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Brooke Burke. And also follow the show, at Naked Mom Pod. We want to hear from you, so please reach out to us. I also want to thank our sponsor, Audible. I'm actually going to go listen to a book and unwind on my very long drive home back to Malibu. Bye, everybody. I'll meet you here next week. Next week.